everybody. Welcome to Bookshelf Shelfies. I'm Mary Barbara Hannig, host. And today I have the extreme pleasure of hosting my very first international guest. Ta-da! This is Mark Schabmeyer. And uh, he's going to tell us in a moment how he knows me. Um, but Mark lives in Toronto. And I will say I've been to Toronto probably three or four times. It's been a long time since I've been up there. But really, what a beautiful city. And um, I love Margaret Atwood, and so she is also associated in my mind with Toronto and uh, a book she wrote about a place north of Toronto. But anyway, I don't want to get into my stuff. Uh, but I will ask you, Mark, right now, off the top of my head, there's that really amazing castle at the top of like Young Street or something. What is that place called? Casa Loma? Uh, yep, Casa Loma, it's called. Casa Loma. It is, um, it was I've been there a couple of times. And when I took my daughter there, she um, had gone to a thrift shop. She was like eight or nine years old, gone to a thrift shop with friends and found this prom dress. And she would wear the prom dress around the house and, um, you know, to be a princess. And so when we took her to Casa Loma, she, uh, all she could think about was why she, all she wanted to do was come back someday and wear her prom dress throughout the castle. Um, but just probably one of my favorite places to visit uh, up there in Toronto. All right. So anyway, that's my introduction. But now I'm going to ask you, Mark, how did we meet? Tell people how we met. Well, um, I know Mary Barbara through my stepmother, uh, who lived in Hong Kong for a period of time, um, as did Mary Barbara. And that is where they met. Maybe after this, you can tell me how you two met, because I don't know. Okay. That. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. Oh. Um, Not in the bar. But yeah. My father works for a uh, an aerospace logistics company that had him stationed in Hong Kong for, I think it was three or four years, something around that yeah. amount of time. Maybe five. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and so during their time living there, I had the opportunity along with my partner and my sister and her partner to come visit for a three week period, which was very exciting. Um, the furthest place I've ever traveled before. And my dad was very adamant that I need to come and see it while he's there because it's an incredible place. Well, also just because you get to save money, right? The expense of going there for three weeks, you could never, nobody can afford that really. So oh, being absolutely. able to crash wherever you guys were, I, were you at a different apartment? Was there, did they rent you a different place? You didn't stay at Mike and Vera's. No, we didn't. They had a, they rented a, a little apartment yeah. um, okay. a little further up the road on eBay. Yeah. yeah. So I think it was the, the second night it was very early on that we <laughs> were there um we did some swimming at the, uh it was, it was some sort of club yeah yeah house there's a bar yes. um and so we had an evening there um uh, with mary barbara and uh we got to talking we uh had some pints yeah. we played some darts and by the end of the night uh you and i were gonna start a business together we so, and i've I, Yes, go ahead. I'm sorry, because I get so excited. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say it's fair to say I think we hit it off. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So yeah, so this club in DB, the um, Discovery Bay is the name of the little place where we lived. It's on the island of Lantau. And uh, for anybody who's ever actually traveled through Hong Kong or into Hong Kong, Lantau is the island where the airport is. That's where you land. And then you would take whatever way that you would get over back to the mainland of Hong Kong Island. Uh, but anyway, in the DB club, you could go swimming and play tennis and they had a gym and all kinds of stuff. And that's actually how I met Vera was going to some um, exercise classes 
she and I were in a class together. And um, as, as Mark knows from knowing Vera for so many years, uh, you know, Vera is from Czech Republic. So she has a very, very thick accent. And I know Vera is going to be watching this in the future, but um, she won't mind. Uh, she and I got to talking one day. She actually approached me after class to say hello. And she was wearing um, a very interesting pendant. Um, it would look, I would say, um, I, I don't know what you would call that pendant, but something that would have to do maybe with you know, witchcraft. <laughs> I don't what do you call a pentagram. It was a pentagram. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Vera is a self-proclaimed, I wouldn't say witch, but she deal, you know, she's into magic and um, she herself is magic. So that probably follows. And um, so anyway, so we get to talking and I'm asking her about her pendant. And the long story short about Vera is we start, I was new to Lantau Island, but I'd been in Hong Kong for about two years. We'd lived on the mainland and then on Hong Kong Island and then moved out to DB. Um, so I was, you know, trying to make new friends and get to meet people. And uh, so she was, we were speaking together and I had, um, I've worked in adult literacy all my life. So um, all my life, that doesn't even make any sense. When I was a child, no, no, as, as an adult, my uh, background is adult literacy. So English as a second language is part of adult literacy. So I have some knowledge of teaching other people to speak English. And Vera asked me to help her with that. And so we would hours every day. We had nothing else to do. Our husbands traveled. You know, Mike was at work all day. My husband traveled all the time. And so, uh, you know, we had nothing else to do, really. And both of us were so used to working. This is really awful. I'm going to pause the recording for one moment. I apologize. Um, my dog is scratching at the door and I can't focus. <laughs> so I'll be right back from you're right one dog owner to the other. Hang on one all right, so hopefully this will be a relatively seamless transition. Uh, anyway, I'll have to do some editing, which I don't know a lot about. All right, but anyway, so here we are. So Vera and I meet, and we spend hours together, days together. I get a dog. She gets a dog. We walk our dogs, all this stuff. Months go by, and uh, that was in the fall. And so months go by, and um, it's in the spring, and my daughter is graduating from university. So I'm telling Vera about my daughter, Lauren, and that she's got her degree, and she'll be graduating. And she says to me, um, what, what, is, what is Lauren studying? What does she go to school for? I'm like, well, that's kind of funny, Vera. I've told you, you know, when I first met you that she's in photography. And Vera said, oh, Maddie, I didn't know what you were saying. I just nodded my head and smiled. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like her. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. I was just laughed and laughed. I'm like, well, then I can tell you my whole life story all over again, because you don't know what I said. For nine months, you just not, smiled and nodded. So cute. Anyway, she, uh, well, we're not here to talk about Vera, but I could, as you know. Uh, so that's how we met, uh, through an exercise class. And then I'm um, just hanging out together all the time and having a lot of great fun. She's hilarious. And yeah, I did just speak to her right before. And I totally forgot that you and I were doing this interview. So I, she texted me later and was like, hey, I hear you know, Mark is going to be on your show uh, yeah. and all that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I totally totally blew it on that totally forgot about it but anyway so they'll be able to I, I talked to her about it a couple of days ago so oh, very good yeah so she'll know <laughs> all right so that's how it is we met in hong kong which is kind of a fun and unique way to meet and we did come up with a business idea and um i'm going to talk about that for a second because i actually came up with an maybe we came up with this name previously but i just re-came up with a name for it so i was telling mark i used to sell mary Kay. Um, cosmetics. And I really, I still actually use Mary Kay. Mostly I use the skincare now, but um, I was saying that I thought there was a place in the market for people, especially men who were transitioning to women 
or who wanted to have, you know, maybe live some part of their life as a woman, but especially if they start taking any kind of um, what estrogen or what, what do you call the, um, the, the chemicals that people take? When they transition? Yeah. I think hormones. Yeah, hormones. Thank you. That's the word. Um, I know it seems crazy sometimes. Well, we'll talk about that another time too, but I, I had brain tumor, right? And so I had brain surgery and it was 13 hours. And the doctor said, you know, they can't help it. They're touching the brain in different places for 13 hours. You're going to have some memory issues. And that's a great example of that where I just, the word escapes me. So men taking hormones. Um, and so the texture of their skin is going to change. And so how they learn to take care of the skin, take care of their skin and using women's skincare products, but also then learning to apply makeup, you know, can, can a man or, you know, someone transitioning really feel free or um, confident going like a woman can go into any makeup place in the world and be like, give me a makeover. But, you know, if a man walks in, what is the comfort level of the person doing the makeover and all that stuff? So I said to Mark, I think there's a market for this place where men could come together like women do at makeup well, we used to before COVID, but go to a Mary Kay skincare party, essentially, and learn yeah. to take care of your skin and apply makeup and all that stuff. And so um, on a play of that Mary Kay idea, I thought, I'm thinking it should be called Mark Barbara. And isn't that kind of cool? Because Mark, the man named Barbara, the woman's name, that transition from Mark to Mary Barbara, you know, Mark to Barbara, Mark Barbara. What do you think? Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, <we're, laughs> I mean, I also like that your first idea too of Mary Mark. Oh, Mary I Mark. I forgot that that's what yeah. it was. I couldn't remember. But that doesn't really flow if you're thinking about it being, you know, metaphorical for what, what we're representing. Really to have your name first. I was feeling very egotistical apparently that day when I said Mary Mark. <laughs> well, it's got, a, it's got a ring, but I, I, I do agree that the... It could Mark be Mark Mary. Mark Mary. I don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. just keep playing with it. But if anybody out there is interested in getting in on our idea, let us know and uh, we'll go forth with it. Because this is, you know, 2020 was the year of going in in different directions and doing things in a new way since we had mm -hmm. to Absolutely. stop everything else. All right. So there we are. We've got uh, how we met. We've got our own little business idea. And so the next thing is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is um, because I have followed you on Facebook. And I know that you are an amazing artist. And the, your very first piece of work that I ever saw was hanging in Mike and Vera's apartment in Hong Kong. And actually, I think there's two pieces. Maybe one, could it have been a picture of your grandfather? Did you do something? Yes, Tell me a was, little bit about that. That one, oh, uh, that's a funny one because I actually did that when I was in high school. It's amazing. Well, that, let me tell you, you're a gifted artist because it, it's fantastic work. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it was, a, it was a photo from a photo of my grandfather kneeling down to pet a cat on the side on the sidewalk. It's a really sweet picture. And it was always one of my dad's favorites. So for a school assignment, I decided mm -hmm. to do that and then gift it to them. And then blow their minds because it was so amazing. I, I mean, it's clear. I remember it's on the stairwell. It was on the stairwell of that apartment. The other one is it a, it was hanging on the living room wall and I want to say it was a red flower, red. Yeah, it was it was a, a few poppies okay. uh, on, oh, a, yes. on a red background. Yes, okay, yes. Yeah. Which was a, a specific request from my dad. He wanted that exactly, so. Okay, there it is. 
Mm-hmm. It's so great when you're a parent and you can look at your children and see their talents and then they, as they're developing, as they're growing up as, you know, from childhood to adulthood, and then you get to really um, use those talents for your, for your, in your own way to benefit yourself. And I mean that in a good way, not necessarily a bad way, but um, you know, my daughter is a photographer and I think about all the times that she's just taken pictures so casually for her, but for us, it's like, wow, she's a trained professional. This is what she went to school for. So you know, this, or when she edits photos or anything to do with lighting and color and, you know, just the way she sees the world is so totally different. We, we, I always laugh because I can see five colors, red, blue, green, yellow, purple, whatever the rainbow is, right? I just, that's literally all I see. And if you ask her what color something is, it's never just blue, right? She's got to give you the very particular shade of blue, right? Like it's ocean steel blue. And I'm like, mm. well, that's just gray. now are you like that do you see very specific colors i mean do you see colors in the gradient uh color i would say actually isn't my strong point there's different a lot of different sides to i guess making visual art and absolutely color has not been i'm actually a little bit colorblind i've learned over the years interesting yeah it must have been a surprise uh, i guess so yeah yeah but colorblind I guess it's more about space and line work and that kind of stuff that works better for me. That makes sense. My brother um, had a degree in illustration and I would say also for him, not that I, um, he passed away many years ago, so I can't ask him about color, but when you talk about lines and space, that sounds like him, you know, the way he would describe things or the way that he was trying to teach me, which was, I don't know why in the world he was doing that. (laughs) how to draw you know and he was talking about the plane and this these lines and whatever all this stuff was and I just went back to reading my book it was far easier so getting onto this idea of illustration when did you realize that being an artist or and do you call yourself an artist I mean how do you identify what you do um I would probably say illustrator first Mm -hmm. um because I, I guess that's a result of recent times um me kind of honing that a little bit more into a job and a career Mm -hmm. um before that I would say also artists just sort of experimenting with different types of mediums but drawing is really where I think my skills could set lies so that's what I would would say okay Um, so illustrator yeah it's interesting though because I didn't go to school for art um Mm -hmm. I went to university and got an arts degree in anthropology. And then I went on to do a museum studies post-grad program. So didn't really come to where I am now from the sort of typical way, I Mm -hmm. suppose. It's just kind of, I've always drawn, I've always liked to be creative and make art. And my life has just kind of moved in that direction I don't know if maybe subconsciously it's kind of led me back there um but it has and yeah I'm pretty happy about that at the moment at the moment I think it's um you know it's interesting depending on your family sometimes so I actually come from a family of artists my grandfather was the president of the Art Institute of Boston for a long time my grandmother went to the Rhode Island School of Design School of Design Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was a fashion illustrator. Um, I have, and I don't consider myself as having literally any artistic, when we think of artistic ability. Um, I, I, 
don't even enjoy it. You know, we, we um, make Christmas cookies. I even hate decorating uh, Christmas cookies, right? Like oh. I just can't stand it. Um, yeah. I'll bake them, you know, I'll do all that. But then I have friends and relatives who like get the icing and the sprinkles. And I mean, it's amazing what they create, but it's so, you know, one of the, I think for me, the issue is it's very detail oriented and I am not a detail oriented individual. I don't really have that kind of patience. So for me, decorating like that is painful. I mean, really, truly just awful. I can't imagine anything worse. But I think, um, you know, so back to my real story about the arts, um, you need a family that's supportive of artists because I think there's still an ongoing bias that artistry is not a proper way to make a living. Like being an actor or, um, you know, a juggler or a clown, people see it as like playing at grown-up stuff. But what do you really do? You know, how are you really going to make money? And um, when you have a family that might focus that way, it might take you away from being an artist because you're looking to, not you personally, but other people, looking to fulfill somebody else's expectations of what life is. Um, thankfully, coming from a family of artists and my brother and my sister is an architect. And as I told you, my daughter, a photographer and, and so forth. Um, you know, I, I appreciate art enormously. I, I appreciate that I can't make it or do it, and um, but I can appreciate it and enjoy looking at it and really understanding the skill and time and um, soul searching sometimes that needs to go into creating the pieces that are created. So. So you've brought, um, I asked you about a book. This was the other thing that brought it to mind is that you recently, I know you did. Um, so tell us a little bit of whatever you'd like to tell us about the book that I think you recently illustrated, which in my mind is like the life of dogs or something like that. But I think you also have a side thing where you're um, sketching people's dogs. Like people could send you pictures and you'll, or yeah, photographs. So tell us, you know, kind of dive into all that stuff that's going on there. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. One of, one thing kind of led to another um, in, in what you just mentioned. Um, so uh, I think it was 2017. Um, I, I was feeling the need to, I don't know, do some more creative work. I was working at a museum at that time and also at a, a nonprofit for graphic designers, um, but not doing creative work. Um, and so I opened an Etsy shop because a habit I had was to, I always like to make my own cards for people. Oh, mm -hmm. So Christmas cards or birthday or whatnot. And often I would end up drawing a little picture of their pet with a birthday hat or something, oh. um, which people seem to like. Of course. So I had this idea. I was like, you know what? I can, I can give it a try. I think it would be fun to do uh, commission portraits of pets for people. Mm -hmm. Um so, you know, I did my research and, and started that off and it, it kind of like, it, it took off to the degree that I wanted it to. I still mm -hmm. had my other job and this was just something on the side additional to, uh, to, you know, be creative and keep that skill going. Mm -hmm. um, and then after, um, I guess a year or so, uh, a friend of a friend, um, he has, he's a self-employed person who has a um, lifestyle travel food um, website. Oh, cool. Um, and he had a, a monthly column with uh, Chapters Indigo, which is sort of, the, it's the largest uh, book retailer in Canada. Oh, okay. Um, I guess maybe similar to Barnes and Noble. Okay. Yeah. 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 So uh, they did a sponsored article every month that was, um, you know, 
the the best best new titles coming out this month something to read so he had a a lady who worked with him who read all these books and did a little review and we have a little pause in the action let's see if we can get mark back hang on okay hello <laughs> hello all right so uh let me Stop recording. Okay, so we're all set to go. So we've had a little, um, uh, you know, every now and then down here, the internet goes out and that's the end of that. So we're back. And so you were talking about this woman who, the columnist who'd read many books. Uh, yes. So <laughs> that's where we left off. <laughs> yeah, she would uh, do a little article on the five, on five new releases coming out that month. Um, just a little description and teaser of the book. Um, and this guy who had the blog, who was a friend of a friend, he was put it out there that he wanted an illustrator to um, add uh, an illustration for each of the titles, just to kind of punch up the article a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I got in touch with him and then started doing that. Um, and that's how I kind of weaseled my way, I guess, into the, the publishing world with illustration. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, which was, very fortuitous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, really, they say that, uh, you know, luck or for, you know, fortune, whatever, is really preparation meets opportunity. That's, mm. you know, that's really what it is. And so there you are. You've been preparing for this because you've kept up with your illustrating. You know, you're a natural, creative person. And here was an opportunity and you took it. You know, many times people would like to think that um, they just sit there and that if they just wait long enough, something will come to them. But really, you've just proven the point that all of us, when you have some gift, um, really to get it out there, you have to continue pursuing the opportunities. And so that's why you say fortuitous, which I don't disagree with, but really it comes down to our own preparation and our and taking advantage of opportunities. Anyway, just my thing. Go ahead. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so um, then I guess it was it was through uh, contact involved with that that this uh, book opportunity came up. Um, so there was a smaller publisher called uh, DK who um, does a lot of sort of nonfiction and travel okay. um, publications. They would usually have one or two books in these columns each month. And there was a rep at the Toronto office who sort of involved with the website owner who I knew um, in terms of getting him the books and whatnot. And he, uh, I guess he told me he was at uh, a meeting um, about new projects coming up. And one of them was a, a book on dog behavior. Okay. And it came out that they were, they had not yet chosen an illustrator for it. And so they need to work on finding that. And he sort of raised his hand and was like, I know just the person, <laughs> someone I've worked with. And he awesome. does, yeah, he does custom portraits of people's dogs all the time. Um, let me send you his information. That um, is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that was also very fortuitous. Yes, it was. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Came together. Uh, and then last year, uh, I illustrated this book, which was my first, uh, which has led, led to a couple other um, book projects. I finished a second one now that's coming out this spring. Congratulations, um, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so do you have a copy of the book there? Can you hold up? I do. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. It is called, What's, What's My Dog, my dog thinking? thinking? All right. Because I will, um, 
uh, post this when I post the video and so forth on the website and whatnot and Facebook, I'll post a link to the to the book. What's my dog thinking? How cute is this? And can you um, do you feel like sharing one or two illustrations in the book? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, well, here's one that I. Oh my gosh, what a cutie. Now, is this a dog you know, or did you just think of this dog, or how did you? Most of them are not dogs that I know. Um, <laughs> it's a very, it's a, that was an interesting part. You don't hang out thing. at dog parks and are like, can I get to know your dog? Well, yeah. I do. Well, okay. <laughs> that's right. Because you have a dog, don't you? Or two? I, yeah, I do have a dog. Yeah. Who I tried, I tried to get in the book, but that mm. didn't work out. He didn't so, quite have the face for it. I guess not. But <laughs> I was allowed to submit a photo, like of a about the illustrator section, and so I oh, made yeah. sure that my dog. Was <laughs> that's a great one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So it's oh it's interesting gosh. the uh, the process for. For me being the illustrator coming into a project everything is very specific yeah so all of the most of the text is written um and i'm working with the graphic designer and the author uh and they would send me briefs which were um the full page spreads with all the um text and info laid out and then they said exactly what they wanted the dog to be doing so it'd be oh. every spread I don't know if you can kind of tell from, from looking here. There's another one that I'm... Yeah, oh, so cute. Um, is that, you know, can I just ask you, so I don't really know a lot about it, but in the process when you're creating that picture, how are you doing it? Are you freehand drawing it on a piece of paper? Is it a computer program? How are you doing that? Uh, well, my process is I do, I do work on paper, but also uh, I do a lot of work on tablet. So I have an iPad Pro with a drawing app called Procreate. Um, that I was very intimidated to try at first, but actually it's very intuitive and very much like traditional drawing. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the process for these spreads, they would give me all the information. Um, say we need the dog to be doing this. Here's a reference photo of a dog doing that. Oh, I see. But you need to do it as a Rottweiler. Mm -hmm. Or oh. you need to do it as this certain different type because um, it, a direct copy of the photo would be a copyright infringement. Uh, yeah. So yeah. there's a little bit of finessing. Sure. Um, so what I would do is um, I would sketch out um, what they wanted on my tablet first because it's really easy to edit and make changes on that. Um, send them that. They would, it would get the stamp of approval and then... Um, then I would transfer that to paper and actually um, hand paint it. With so transfer it to paper, does that mean you would print it or you would, how do you transfer uh, it to paper? No, very analog method. Um, I would just email the, the image from the tablet to um, my computer mm -hmm. and then trace it. Okay. So okay. All of the sizing and proportion is um, approved. So I trace, sort of vaguely out onto paper and then just paint 
from there using all the. I mean, it's really you know because this is the behind the scenes stuff that people don't really know about. If you don't do this for a living, it really is magic. You're just like I don't know how they do it. Um, so really getting the step by step and the you know and also just the magic of technology. I'm, you know, I'm I'm I don't want to say simple minded, but I'm still I'm very um, in awe a lot, and I still don't even understand or really get how a record player works. I mean, how do you get sounds to lay down on this thing and then you spin it around and the needle hits it and sound comes out. I mean, you know, how are there radio waves? How are you and I even communicating? I mean, I just, it continues to blow my mind, you know? So here you are, somebody created this tablet and then you could draw and then you send the thing. And I'm thinking back, you know, in the history of art and how people, students would go and work, study under a master and recreate his paintings over and over working on brush strokes and, you know, just the time intensiveness and probably go their whole lives without being recognized. Of course, you know, they didn't have electricity either. So what can we do? But, yeah. um, you know, now it, just the advent of technology and the ability to send files back and forth like that. And it just really just wows me. I just am really thrilled by it. Also, yeah. I love your little picture there of the little dog looking up. Is that, um, what kind of dog is that? Like an English bulldog, do you think? Or? Uh, yeah, that was an English bulldog. Oh, English bulldog. Yeah. yeah, such a cute face. Oh. And do you, um, when you're drawing, are you like, oh, this is so cute? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm a little bit dog crazy, so, you know, yeah. I well, it, it shows. I mean, your love shows because the pictures are just so adorable. I mean, there's something really, you know, capturing the light in their eyes. Even though it's just a picture, you really capture the adorableness of pets. You know, my husband and I... Um, uh, you, I don't know if you got to meet my daughter. I don't think my daughter Lauren was in Hong Kong at the same time you guys were. But so, so. yeah, so I have my daughter Lauren, who's of course love of my life. Blah blah blah. But dogs, you know, can I just say, <laughs> we have so we have two dogs. One is Sydney. We got her in Hong Kong. She's a rescue dog, much like uh-huh. Betty was a rescue dog. Good old Betty. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, Sydney, although she's a different type of dog, she looks more like a. Um, what do they call those like uh, hunting dogs? You know, she's got the curly tail. She's uh, uh, a hound, hound. Yeah, maybe, but um, doesn't really matter. That's not the point. Uh, anyway, so there's Sydney. But then uh, when Mark and I moved back to um, the U.S., we got a boxer and we got him as a, a six or eight week old puppy. And yeah. it, as you know, it's just like having a kid. I mean, you, and for all those out there that have children, you know, human children, but not pet children, just take my word for it and don't be offended. But really it is like having a brand new baby. You have to get up in the night, you got to feed them and walk them and all the care that goes into raising them. But they get stuck at three, you know, like your kids are going to grow up and go on and go do things. Our kids are going to be three forever. And, um, you know, but we laugh all the time. He's naughty, you know, when he wants something, the way he whines and, you know, just everything. And we're just madly in love with him, you know, and he sleeps in bed. You know, oh, yeah. it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I love actually hearing you say that about how it's like having uh, a child because I do refer to myself as a parent a lot and sometimes yeah. feel a little like, uh, <laughs> maybe it that's is. not a fair comparison, but you're a mother. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I will. T- I mean, maybe you don't have to teach them morals and you don't have to worry about who they're dating. You know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff yeah. you don't do with them, but the physical caring for a pet is huge. I mean, it's really, it's, and it's an investment. And if you're going to have a dog, it is usually, I would guess, minimal 10 years, day in, day out. You know, I I used to think about when I lived in Hong Kong, we lived in an apartment. And um, so anytime the dog had to go out, you have to put him on the leash. (laughs) 
I had to go down the elevator. I couldn't possibly go down the two flights of stairs, Uh, go down the elevator, go out the door. And that dog had to be walked minimal three times a day. So you're talking seven days a week. That's 21 walks a week, minimal, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're talking at least because of Hong Kong in the heat, we always walk two hours early in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, and then just a maybe half hour in the evening kind of thing. So, you know, when you add up the amount of time and hours and everything that goes into, if you have to walk your dog, it's an incredible amount of time that you've invested and, and developed a relationship. You're not just walking this dog. I mean, you're really, exp- Sydney and I had many awesome hiking experiences you know, it was just her and I out there together in the wilderness of Hong Kong, if you will, um, which it could be wilder, wilderness-like. I mean, it is a big city, but there's also the mountains and so forth. Now mm-hmm. now we live on a farm, and um, Sydney loves the farm because she's off the leash, and she can go outside by herself. There, we live on 200 acres, um, only two of which we own. 200 belong, 198 belong to my brother-in-law, but we all live kind of on a family compound, uh, but we all live here together, oh, so the dogs great. can just be outside. Yeah, it's, and we have great woods and we go hiking we've got lots of wildlife so um but anyway so yes it is you know it is just like parenting i think what is your dog's name uh her name's daisy oh i love that name what kind of dog is she uh she has a pot cake which is (laughs) i have no idea i've never even heard of that now when you say how do you spell that uh p-o-t-c-a-k-e pot cake okay yeah i don't it's not a official pedigree but mm-hmm. it's sort of the term used for a caribbean mixed breed oh okay yeah. and did you get her there in toronto um yeah we got her in toronto but she is actually from the dominican republic okay so my partner saw an ad on his sort of intra-office work board mm. um for a dog that needed to be adopted she was about eight months old when we got her so we actually mm-hmm. skipped a lot of the difficult puppy stage. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have been too much. Did she still chew when she got to you? Uh, she didn't actually. Oh, she's, she's a very well-behaved dog. She just really doesn't like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's an angel except for her one flaw, which is, yeah, she is very afraid of people and is Aww. takes a long time to trust them. But when yeah. she does, yeah. She's her. a lover. Yeah. That's so great. So Daisy from the Dominican Republic. How did you guys pick was she already named Daisy? She was already named Daisy. Oh, yeah. all right. So, all right, uh, we'll let that go then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't pick. All right, so that was. Yeah, um, my husband uh, named our dog Sydney after his favorite city in Australia, and so when we got his dog, uh, the trade-off was I got to name his dog, and I named um, our boxer. His name is Gable after Clark Gable, my very favorite male actor of all time, most handsome man in the world besides my husband, who's sitting right <laughs> over there. Uh, all right. So you've shown us the illustrations of these dogs. And um, as I said, I mean, you can just really see the, the passion in your, in your work and your love for dogs comes out because of the look on the dog's faces, the light in their eyes and just their manner. You know, it's not a cartoon picture. It's not, there's something really lifelike about mm. your work. Is there a secret to accomplishing that? Gosh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess just having good observation mm-hmm. skills, really okay. looking at, at the details. Um, and so much of a, what, how a dog communicates is through their eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really paying attention to, to that part of them helps it really come through, I find. 
and I practice. Think, <laughs> well, exactly, practice. I was also thinking, did you ever study musculature? I mean, did you do you ever look at pictures of dogs' muscles? Like, do you ever? Uh, no. I'm no, freaking you out. You're actually, like, no, but maybe I should. I, I did study a little bit of osteology. Okay. Um, um, I my degree is in anthropology, but specifically archaeology. Oh, um, so that. yeah, we did look at um, sort of zoo arc was a a specialization within it. So animal bones. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. But that would be the closest thing to terms of actually studying that kind of thing. Going the rest back- is all just through observation, I suppose. It's a very good observation. I and also again, I think just you know, you have a natural talent and you don't necessarily have to observe or study muscles to be able to draw what a dog looks like. Um, It also reminded me, there is a really beautiful story I did when I was teaching GED classes, we would read um, a short story by Anne, um, Helen Keller, not Anne, but Helen Keller. And she talked about if she could have sight for three days, what she would want to look at and be able to see, even if she knew at the end of those three days, she could not look or see anything ever again. And her final thought on the final day, her last hours of being able to see, she said it would mean most to her to be able to look into the eyes of her dogs to see their souls because they had shared theirs so willingly with her. And um, isn't that beautiful? That is beautiful. To think of a, a person who cannot see and who cannot see her dogs, but to know that if she could look into their eyes, she would be able to see their soul because of the silent communication that she'd built up with them. I mean, just really insightful. No pun intended. How terrible. I wasn't trying to be funny. And then um, I ruined a really beautiful moment by saying how insightful, but really she was. Um, So we've talked about that book. And so now you have, uh, so we've got the first book is What's My Dog Thinking? Now, what do you think about that book? Do you use it to analyze Daisy? Do you apply it to her? Or do you already know what Daisy's thinking? Um, I would say that I've used it, or I guess more so doing the project um, and sort of reading the text along the way Mm -hmm. uh, has, has certainly helped. I've learned a lot of things about what I'm seeing in my own dog. And I think I've become better at, you know, reading her, what she's trying to, to say um, <laughs> because of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually have um, one little passage that I. Oh, great. Yes. Like please do. Yeah. So it's, it's just one, one thing that was new to me um, when I worked on this book, something that I didn't know and that I think is really interesting I'll just show you the spread here because that's okay. part of it. So now start by telling us, do you know the type of dog? What kind of dog is that? This dog? Um, oh. And you can just make up a name. We won't know. <laughs> it's a Labrador at all. I'm not sure. It's I could a, find out. It's a pot cake. <laughs> sure. It's yeah, a this cutie. is a pot cake. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's Actually, a cute dog. Actually, this, this, this dog is the author's dog. Oh. She made sure that uh, we oh. got her dog in there. Mm-hmm. 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 And the, the the idea on this spread is that the dog is doing that look, kind of mm-hmm. looking up at you with their big sad eyes. Yes. And so my I just wanted to read that. this little explanation Great. of that, which I thought was interesting. So it's called, my dog melts me with a look. Whenever I'm eating, I look down and there's a little face with big eyes that I can't resist. Where's the harm in giving my poor hungry girl an extra sausage or two off my plate? So what's my dog thinking? There's no mistaking this posture. It's pure, unadulterated, please. (laughs) 
dogs use a particular facial muscle to raise their inner eyebrows, making their eyes look bigger and more childlike. One research, found, one research study found that dogs evolved this muscle over thousands of years of domestication, specifically to appeal to humans and to prompt us to offer care. Oh my God, we're so being manipulated. Actually, yes, absolutely. <laughs> that, is, that is the thing. Your dog is manipulating you. <laughs> We've been trained. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought it was really interesting that there's a, a certain expression or look that they reserve only for humans not yes other dogs oh, you're right yeah, yeah i don't see gable looking at cindy like please Mm-mm, that, that never happens good. yeah that it is just for me and he's very good at it and gets rewarded for it often yeah, yeah we even have a whole uh thing now somehow he got into this habit <laughs> obviously i'm not a drug dealer but i am a biscuit dealer Ah. And he's addicted. And, uh, you know, he just, he whines, he cries until he gets a biscuit. And so now I'm like, hey, I'm not doing that. You know, you've already had a biscuit. You don't need any more biscuits. So I like go and launch into an explanation. It always results in me saying a very firm, no, go lay down. Mm. <sighs> you know how boxers <laughs> do that little thing. <sighs> uh-huh. And he goes over, Voice. he lays down and he, he waits a few minutes and he keeps looking at us and he looks away. And he looks at us and he gets up and tries again. And uh, every night we go through this lately. I mean, it hasn't always been this way. It's just like in the last few weeks. I don't know what Christmas, maybe we did something at Christmas. Um, so you, now you told us that you have another book that you've just completed. Can you give us a little inside scoop as to what, is it published or you've just finished the work on it? Are you allowed to talk about it? Um, yeah, I could talk about it. It's um, a book with uh, Neil Neil's Yard uh, Remedies, which is a um I guess a wellness company based in London. Oh, okay. um, and they. How do you spell the first name of that? The, what was that yard? Something yard. Neal's N E A L S. Oh, Neal's Yard. Neal's Yard Remedies. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, this, the group that I'm working with is based in London, so it's all a lot of British things. Oh, um, stop <laughs> it. Yeah. So they've they part with this company to do it's called mental wellness so it's 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 similar to this book in that it's sort of a nonfiction um, illustrated guide to different wellness techniques so things like yoga or tai chi acupuncture pilates please tell me that because you're the illustrator it's dogs doing the pilates (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) no no it's it's people people. but that's actually good because um, it sort of expands what's in my portfolio. Absolutely. That's right. You do got to look to the future. Yeah. Yeah. So that one, um, I finished that up, uh, in December and usually, well, at least with the last book, um, from the moment that the last thing is submitted, it's, it's about five months until it's on bookshelves. Okay. So that one should be out in the spring. Um, and then just before, the holiday I started work on the sister publication to what's my dog thinking called what's my cat thinking well that's creative I would never have thought I'd like to hear about what's my bird thinking no, ah, just kidding yeah we'll see well, that's right what's an, what does any animal think I'd like to talk about giraffes um so you know yesterday I inter- I did an interview with a friend of mine her name is I told you Kim Lingley she I hadn't talked to her in a long time and um she had put together a book on grief called Send My Roots Rain 
And um, she, it took her about four years to collect the poetry and curate it and put it all together, blah, blah, blah. And so then we were like, and she's like, you know, it's not like I'm going to ever make money off of this thing. And we got to laughing about sort of this misunderstanding there can be in the publishing world that once you publish a book, you're a millionaire because it sold, you know, 10,000 copies. But the reality is, you know, what the little cut is that everybody gets you know, along the way. So how, you know, you without revealing any income issues, um, how's it going? Look, so are you still working at the museum and doing this as a side job or things have flipped a little bit for you? Things have flipped actually. Um, like a lot of people when the pandemic hit oh, in March. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, not just, I think I mentioned that that job at the museum was part-time. Oh, okay. Um, and when that happened, uh, so the museum is through the city of Markham, which is near mm -hmm. Toronto, mm -hmm. and the city laid off all part-time staff across the board um, temporarily. Yeah, um, a year later. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but it's funny, it actually, I always feel weird saying this, but I, that actually kind of worked out nicely for me. I think, um, I think it's worked out nicely for a lot of people. Yeah, that's weird, actually what I'm finding way. too, more mm -hmm. and more. Mm -hmm. um, so that was right when work on the this dog book was really starting to gear up, sort of the final crunch. And I was already thinking that I would need to take some time off to get the project completed because it's a lot of hours to get all these. Yeah, pieces. yeah. Um, but lo and behold, I was late. I, I found myself with enough time to do it because of that. Yeah. Um, and then the, the sort of temporary layoff just continued and by the time that I'd secured the third book project mm -hmm. um it was enough for me to say okay probably I'm not going to go back then because yeah um that that's enough and it, it shows that one thing can lead to another for me yes, um yes. and so I, I made the switch to full-time illustrator which is something I wanted to do for a long time so it was exciting it's it is exciting and congratulations on that because um I think a lot of times we can't take the leap because we we're, for whatever reasons, we're not able to, whether it is just truly financial or, you know, you don't know where the work would come from or how you get started on anything or whatever the issues are. And then being able to, um, well, being forced, really. And that's even, you know, how did this podcast get started? For the same thing, I'm just sitting home alone. Well, you know, with my husband, we're hanging out and um, I miss my friends. I love to talk about books and I like to listen <laughs> to podcasts about books, um, but I wasn't hearing things that I wanted to hear. So I'm like, well, I'll just go make what I want to hear. You know, I want to talk. Right. I don't want to talk about just the book. I want to talk to people about what they're reading or whatever, anything tangentially related to reading. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I'm, I'm just exciting though, to know that this is uh, where it's led you and you've got, it looks like a very busy future. Before we wrap up, we have just a few minutes left. I also know that you love biking and because you're sitting in a place where we get to view your bike, tell us some of um, what I think. So I, I always like to try to guess and remember what I know about people and their adventures. And I feel like you and your partner often do like this 500 mile trek across Canada. That's not really true because it's more than 500 miles across Canada, but um, yeah. that you often do these long bike rides and maybe it is for fundraising for a non something. So tell us about them. Sure, yeah. So yeah, me and my partner do like to do a lot of cycling. Um, we've done some trips that are purely um, for fun. Mm -hmm. Like in 2018, we did a two week trek through Germany, which was oh, really amazing. If you're interested in cycling, that's the place to go to. It's the infrastructure there is 
amazing. Even in the most remote rural places, there's a separated bike paved road for wow. you to take. Wow. Yeah. And um, we should, you know, thing- just as an aside very quickly with your last name being Schabmeyer, I should tell people that your dad is actually German and then uh, moved to Canada at some point. Yes, right? he and my mother moved to Canada yeah. together. Heidi. And yep, as they- Heidi is in Toronto. Heidi, well, or- she's in Coburg, which is okay. a town just outside where I grew up. Okay. But she's close by, yes. Yeah, she's in Canada, in other words. Yeah, she's over there yeah. with you guys. But anyway, so also, so, you know, just going back to the idea of, like, how people move around the world. So your dad's actually German, moved to Canada, and now he lives in Czech Republic. Okay. People are like, well, who's that guy? Well, we'll meet him on a different podcast. Don't worry. But anyway, so Germany, so. it would so. be, yes, I definitely have got to get Mike and Vera on here. She's got some, anyway, I so easily could go on. So yeah. when you were talking about Germany, talking about the amazing paved bike paths that they have everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really great place to, to do that if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but the other thing that um, my partner and I do, and it's actually where we met, um, is a charity bike ride um, that happens every year here. Um, it's a ride from Toronto to Montreal, which is uh, 660 kilometers. I'm not okay. sure how many miles that is. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Um, it's a lot yeah it's a lot it's a a six-day ride um with a group of usually it it varies year to year but around 300 riders um and then 100 crew who fully support um this ride Uh, and it's a fundraiser for a local aids charity called the toronto people with aids foundation who provide sort of direct services and support to people living with hiv and aids in toronto Mm -hmm. oh that's great Yep. Um, and actually just, it's just past its 21st year, I think. Um, and just this oh. past year, even though it, <laughs> the ride didn't happen because of COVID, um, they st- started to partner with another charity that I can't remember the name of in Montreal. So mm. it's expanding, I guess, is the point. Yeah, good. Um, getting bigger. But that's a, yeah, really, really great cause, really beautiful ride, really um fun thing to to do or to support that's Uh, right we'll be doing it this summer and fingers crossed um it can we can actually do the physical ride Uh, yeah i was thinking you know for you know how people they adapt it you know to just because we had similar um fundraisers here uh you know, I'm thinking locally where I live in West Virginia, and they just had people do it on their own and then report in, you know, so if you wanted to do the Thanksgiving turkey trot, you know, you just walked in your neighborhood or you, you jogged it on your treadmill and then you reported in and got your t-shirt kind of thing. And, um, you know, and it's definitely not the same amazing, well, you know, group activity, you know, the, the kind of camaraderie that gets built when you're riding together for six days and going, you know, through all of it together. And I've never been to Montreal, but I know it's a beautiful, beautiful city and, um, you know, on my bucket list for sure. Um, so when does that, and so that's usually in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Usually in the summer that you guys yeah. do that. So you haven't been by cycling, I guess I should say, you haven't cycled much during COVID. Uh, well, actually, um, very similar to what you were just describing um, for the rally this, or 2020, um, it was sort of made to be an individual challenge. Okay. So it was called My 600. Um, oh, so to mimic the 600 uh, kilometers. So it was, you could do 600 um, hours of cycling yourself or um, 
maybe not that long. <laughs> what, what I did, like you could be creative with it, but I did um, 600 kilometers of just rides around Toronto where I live yeah. okay. um, to raise the money. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. So, yeah, I did get out quite a bit um, this summer, which God, very necessary given Yes, quarantine. yes, I agree. Um, I have done quite a bit of walking on the farm. We, like I said, we live on a couple of hundred acres. So some of it is set aside for cows. There's actually cows here um, for the cattle. And um, so that's uh, not the place to go hiking, but lots of hills and up and down. And we actually have a small I don't know what's, you know, it's not quite a river, but it's bigger than a creek. I mean, I don't know what you call those things. Stream, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe a stream, um, wow. which my dogs love to jump in and, you know, roll around in the mud. And oh, it's just awesome because who cares, right? I mean, it's a farm. Everything gets dirty anyway. Um, oh, yeah. So, Mark, I think we've touched on everything that I wanted to talk to you about today. But is there uh, I do have a couple questions for you. When you read a book, do you normally enjoy hardback or paperback? Or, or an e-reader? Are you more of a... Um, I, not an e-reader. I okay. like a physical book. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Which I think is common across the board. Um, and I, I, I'm pretty even between uh, hardcover and paperback. Paperback is, has a nicer feel and is mm-hmm. a bit easier in your hand, but I'm a little bit weird and obsessive and I can't create any creases on the spine. So interesting. I consciously am holding it not to, I won't bend the pages back or anything like that. Cause I don't know. I'm weird about wanting the book to still look pristine. So a hardcover, it's easier to keep it that way. People <laughs> are listening to you right now and shouting amen brother. So don't, you're not weird that way. There's lots of people that this is why I asked the questions because we all have a particular way that we like to interact with our books, you know? So, yeah. uh, all right. So you like paperback, but you're very careful not to crease the, the um, binding so it doesn't look old and um so I'm guessing also you don't turn page you don't dog ear as it were speaking of dogs you don't dog ear the pages right use a bookmark or do you use the book cover or uh whatever's around usually it's received (laughs) (laughs) very good yeah again some people are very particular about what they're going to go and uh put in their books I have a ton of bookmarks Um, I also belong to book of the month club and you get bookmarks every time you order books so I just happen to have a lot uh laying around uh and then is there one last question do you have a favorite uh so do you read more non I know that you haven't been reading a lot lately but when you do read do you read more non-fiction than fiction or do you have a preference uh, I would say lately it's more nonfiction. Yeah. Um, Based on what you're I, working on or? Yeah, and just sort of interest. Um, uh, but I do, I do like fiction as well. Okay. I'm sort of into sci- science fiction is kind of my uh, genre that I quite like. Okay. Um, I don't know if you know the author Robert Sawyer. I don't, I, I don't, unfortunately, but tell me all about him. Well, he's a, he's a Canadian Um, and you know, as a Canadian, I find it amusing when an author really tries to insert that into the Uh. (laughs) storyline, um, which he does a lot of, and he's actually pretty humorous in Uh how he writes. So I find that kind of fun and he has all kinds of weird outlandish sort of concepts that touch on cognition and, you know, human, human existence and all that. So excellent. 
Oh, very good. All right. So Robert Sawyer, Canadian. I will put, um, again, you know, usually when I make these posts for my Facebook page, I uh, kind of put all this little bit of tidbit information in there and link off to stuff so people can find it easily. Now, your book, um, What's My Dog Thinking? Where can we get that if people are interested in buying it? Shh, shh, shh. My um, dog is I believe, I believe any sort of major retailer. Yeah, like Amazon. Books. Or- Definitely Amazon, yeah. You can get it from the uh, DK website, which is the publisher. Um, And yeah, just uh, whichever major bookstores, they should have it. Which Sorry, I just don't know all the names of those in the U.S. It doesn't matter. It's Oh, yeah, no, no, that's okay. I mean, I just, just knowing that we can get it at Barnes & Noble or if they're in Canada, they can get it at your, the one that you mentioned. Yes, Chapters Indigo. Chapters Indigo. Chapters uh, Indigo, like the color blue? Yeah, yeah, it's like a hyphen thing. There's, okay. It's a, a merging of two. Okay, it's good. We don't care. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just making sure I get it. Chapters Indigo. Uh, yeah, so they can get it online. Also, I know that you, if you have a local um, bookstore that you like to support, most of those small places can also order the book for you. So if that's something mm-hmm. of interest to you. Um, Mark, is there anything we didn't talk about or questions I didn't ask you that you were hoping we would talk about today or anything else you'd like to say? Uh, I don't think so. I guess I just noticed that I didn't give a shout out to the author of the book. Please um, do. Her name is Hannah Malloy. Um, Thanks, Hannah. Hannah Malloy. Okay. Um, and I, uh, yeah, got to know her a little bit through the process. She's really enthusiastic, uh, sort of bright, energetic person, passionate about dog behavior and really smart. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to her for being the creator of this. Excellent. Also, and just she put also out doing, oh yeah, put out the thanks. Just, just yeah, just put out thanks to her for making this and being involved. Excellent. Is she also the author for um, what is my cat thinking? She's not. No, it's she's a different. It'll be somebody else. Yeah, okay. yeah. Somebody, somebody who likes cats. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> cat expertise. <laughs> I also have cats. Um, that's So I'll be looking forward to that. And I look forward to, so it'll be interesting to see your illustrations. You don't have a cat, but it does, I mean, not that that would prevent you from being a great illustrator of cats, but are you thinking of getting a cat in order to be more in tune or will this prompt you to get a cat, do you think? Well, it's funny. I've been thinking about getting a cat anyway, mm-hmm, <laughs> just mm-hmm. as a uh, something to keep my dog occupied I yes. guess <laughs> a little <laughs> more because two dogs maybe sounds like a bit much in our tiny apartment yes um, yes so who knows maybe all uh, right yeah yeah we'll see that's a, okay that's a see. You keep us posted yeah. all right Mark thank you so much for joining us today it was really great to catch up with you and to talk with you and also to have you be my first international guest I feel very honored about that and um and your work, of course, it's just great to talk about your work and uh, to, as an art appreciator, you know, to uh, have a few minutes to really find out more about what an illustrator, how you work behind the scenes. All right, so don't hang up, but for my friends at home, uh, Mark's episode, let's see, who comes next is my friend Karen Prado. She and I met when we worked at a women's reentry council um, a long, long time ago, 20 years ago. And uh, she lives up in New Hampshire with her partner, Sue. And I haven't seen her spoken to her in probably 15 years. So a uh, great episode coming up next. All right, Mark, as always, thank you and uh, take care. Thank you so much. <laughs>